Welcome, welcome to the Unix Radio Show on Tune FM 106.9 for another week of gaming goodness. Hey. I'm Nick. I'm Michael. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Andre. Woo! Woo! We did it right. <laughs> Yay, finally for once. <laughs> we did it right. Oh. It's like first time in like what a month or something probably. Don't 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 look at the you know timeline of how long <laughs> that's taken. Um, so what have we all been up to this week? What have we been doing? Just thinking back to this week, and I'm like, did I actually play a game? Did I do a thing? Because I just kind of been. Did you watch not- any interesting YouTube? No. <laughs> YouTube is all just nothingness. Mm. I mean, I have fun watching YouTube and stuff, but it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's just wasted time, really. Oh, I don't know. I learned some interesting stuff from Linus Tech Tips about um, AMD has this thing where you can decouple the uh, CPU uh, clock speed. I think it's like the clock speed talking between cores. Mm. Typically, that's coupled to your RAM clock speed mm. so that if you adjust your RAM, your CPU is also compensated. Oh, okay. But AMD has this feature where you can just decouple it entirely. So you can overclock your RAM and keep your CPU, you know. So instead of being one-to-one, you can completely change that ratio. Yeah. And he's found with um, with a uh, uh, Lower speed graphic, a uh, lower speed um, RAM. RAM, sorry. Uh, it actually makes a lot of. You can actually get a lot of performance boost by just overclocking that CPU oh, okay. system. They call it uh, the Infinity Fabric, and that mm. was pretty cool. That was a thing. But yeah, m- like this week's been a bit boring in mm. game in games for me. How about you guys? Don't look at me. I haven't played anything new. <gasps> I haven't even picked up Half-Life again. She's just been playing Stardew. (laughs) Well, uh, well, for the last week, I've largely been playing that game on my fossil of a computer (laughs) with the fossil of a game. However, at the same time, on Tuesday, I luckily managed to play some Hearts of Iron 4 for a few more hours. Mm. Nice. Nice. What about you, Michael? I've been playing a few things. I've been playing a bit of Arma, Arma 3, mm. and I got um, the latest Humble Bundle. I paid my subscription early so I could get access to this month as well, which was Slay the Spire, which I played a couple hours of. Yeah. And then Squad, and oh boy, Squad is the best. <laughs> I love it so much. B- basically, when I was describing to a friend just before I came up here, um, the thing that gets me about Squad Mm. is I hopped in the first game. So this is a a tactical uh, team-based shooter where you have 70 players divided between two teams. Yeah. And uh, each team has, a, you know, however many squads you want to make in it. Players hop into a squad of up to nine players and you move and complete objectives. It's... Nine players is a bit weird. Now having up, it's up to nine players, so you can have a squad leader, a couple medics, riflemen. Okay. So like, there's a whole bunch of different classes that yeah. you really have to have for it to be usable. Um, but basically, I hopped into a game. I said, "Hey, this is my first game." I'd watch like a YouTube video to get an idea of how to you know do all the stuff, mm. which I recommend anyone who's playing a new game, watch a YouTube of it, especially if it's like a multiplayer only game like this. 
yeah. do YouTube, learn how to do it, then it makes life so much easier when you hop in. Um, I was like, hey, what's going on? I don't really know what's going on. And nobody complained that I was new. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're, we are happy to help and everything's nice. It's got the most positive gaming community I've ever <laughs> run into. They're so nice. They're just like, oh, yeah, mate, this is like what you do. You have to like come over here and uh, shoot these guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, you know, and since it's all team-based, you've obviously got someone who – and you have like a squad commander. There's always someone who knows what they're doing, like kind of in charge of your little group in, yeah. to some degree. So it, it marks that person on your, you know, when you're running around, it's like, follow them. They know what they're doing. <laughs> you can talk to them through local comms or, you know, through the squad radio. And it's fun. It's good fun. Nice. Although I will say it's like it's a case because it's a milsim, it's a case of you see them or they see you. Yeah. Whoever sees who first is mm. like the one that goes down. And because it's not like a uh, battlefield or a COD where there's just like uh, fighting noises in the background and things like that. Mm. Um, you can be sneaking along and be perfectly quiet. And then you hear like the next squad in the you know, valley next to you get lit up. <laughs> and then there's mortar shots flying everywhere and grenades. And there's just like, well, damn, <laughs> there's well, a I- war going on over there. <laughs> That sounds a lot better than, like, just having background noises constantly because mm. that means, like, you can locate things yes, a lot like, you know, easier. Don't go over there unless you're looking for trouble because there's mm. a whole lot of trouble going on over there. And, like, it seems like you could also, like, hear the enemy coming mm. as well mm. rather than it being blanketed by, like, other sounds that well, aren't relevant. Mm. Mm. Well, well, you know what would probably be even better for games like that? If instead of daytime, they actually set them during night. Because you'd have all the flashes from the guns lighting up hallways so that you'd be able to see where somebody's shooting at something. Yeah. Um, Arma, ha- Arma 3 has a day-night cycle yeah. on its servers. And um, Call of Duty originally did as well. Yeah. And okay. Battlefield. Uh, well, the issue with Arma is that uh, because they're milsims, putting on a, um, a night vision system is a pain in the ass because um, it really restricts your view to this tiny little circle on your screen. Mm. And then most gun sights don't work with night vision. You have to have a, either a gun sight which is not magnified at all or specifically built to work with night vision because otherwise you take your night vision off when you scope in. Mm. And in a milsim, you're kind of doing that all the time. So if you're a sniper, you have to go back to base and swap out equipment to be able to do it in the first place. In? In armor. Yeah. In this game, I haven't seen a day-night cycle. It does have a weather system, though. Okay. So um, my first game I hopped into uh, felt incredibly foggy. It's like, you know how you play an old shooter, and to hide that the engine can't handle rendering past a certain distance, they just put fog? Yeah. That's what it felt like, and I really didn't like it. Mm. Because that just doesn't feel good, especially in a modern game. And then... Just a couple hours ago, I was playing on that same map again, and it was crystal clear. Yeah. And talking to one of the squad leaders while we were sneaking up on an objective, he's like, yeah, there's, like, weather layers. So different maps can have different, um, you know, weather. weathers applied to them, which completely changes how everything works. That's cool. Yeah. So, like, for instance, um, when it was foggy, we'd be advancing through a valley and just no one would be able to see us. But if an enemy squad came up over the ridge they're just really easy to see because you can see them silhouetted in the sun yeah. through the fog. And it actually made maneuvering a whole lot more important. 
Yeah, and also like where your position is and stuff like that. Where you, I, mm. I can also imagine like two um, squads from enemy teams like using the same tactics of mm, going mm. through the valley yeah. and then just like popping into each other, just going, oh, yeah. why, hello there. It does have a few things which I find a bit painful, but they also kind of make sense. So for instance, not you know, like in some shooters, like there's just an icon saying this person's a friendly and you can always see it. Mm. Um, in this game, uh, you mainly have to identify people via uniform. Yeah. And I was playing a British versus, no, American versus Russian on a desert map. Mm. And their camos are very similar. Oh, okay. And one of the other things is is that um, you can look at players and they'll, like, if they're on your squad, their nameplate comes up really quickly. Yeah. If they aren't on your squad, it comes up a bit slower. So I was walking up from a spawn and I just walked up on these two guys. I'm like, hmm. Because I'd never fought against the Russians before. I'm like, hmm. I'm just standing next to them. I'm like, are you guys enemies? Because... I'm not sure. So I was looking at them to see if the nameplate came up. One of them turned, looked at me for a couple seconds and shot me. And I just <laughs> goes, oh, i had been sitting in the in the middle of a, you know, two-player sniper squad. <laughs> just Yeah, you could have, you could have like, helped a lot by I, mowing them down. I was like, hmm. But it was great because they had the same problem. They're like, hang on. Is he supposed to be with us? <laughs> they just turn around. They're just like, hmm. And you're just like, hmm. <laughs> and they're just like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And the reason why I brought up the... <coughs> Sorry. Reason why I brought up the uh, night cycle is I remember playing Wolfenstein Enemy Territory, mm-hmm. which was a lot like the old Battlefield and, Battle- and Call of Duty. And uh, they actually used to have fortress attack or fortress assaults at night time. Oh, yeah. So uh, you'd be playing as the Allies or the Germans and you'd be having to take a fortress at night time. So you'd have muzzle flashes, you'd be able to put on, well, You'd be able to have specific guns that didn't have flashes. You'd be, and it was just a different thing from the daylight combat because, well, you didn't have sunlight to assist you. Okay. Mm. And yeah. it just—it was nice not to be in a map that has a very, very bright sky. Mm. How many maps do you have nowadays? And this is even in artificial places like spaceships. They always have perfect lighting. Yeah. Mm. Um, though, could you see very well in those maps, the night maps? It was like somebody had, well, you'd have bright light areas. Mm, like compounds and stuff like that. A but little. the light, you'd still be able to see. It's just that it was darker outside of areas where there wasn't a light source. So it was kind of like having full a full moon, like on a yes, night outside. like a full moon. But modern deck games don't even try that. How mm. many games nowadays, aside from Call of Duty Zombies, actually have a night time mm. yeah I will say um, Arma 3 is like the only one I've run across which actually has a proper night time I mean I could say Minecraft but really <laughs> <laughs> um, but Arma 3's night is actually debilitating if you don't have the right gear do, mm. do they even have defensive missions on that because I know the only defensive missions on Call of Duty outside of the campaign nowadays is the zombie missions. Um, in Arma, it depends on the game mode you're playing. I play a lot of a thing called Invade and Annex, mm. which is basically um, it's a player team versus an AI enemy. But the enemy isn't like just distributed across the map. It sort of like identifies missions across the map to do. It's like take this town and you go to the, or take this like strategic location, which could be like a massive radio, radar yeah. tower. Mm. And 
you've got objectives like, you know, take out the base, take their HQ. And sometimes, you know, you move in, take the enemy HQ, and then you've got to defend it from a counterattack. Yeah. Yep. So yep. I have, um, I actually have played on games before where, you know, it just naturally moved into a night cycle when the enemy were, you know, Advancing. helicoptering in a butt-ton of troops, and it became an all-out just war zone. And that, that is actually pretty cool. Lots of players don't like the nighttime as much because it's, you know... Yeah. You can't, get, you can't get your sick frags with your sniper rifle if you have to take off your night vision. Mm. Yeah, uh, particularly with Wolfenstein, they used to have a lot of maps that... You remember playing Hoth on Battlefield... Oh, sorry, Battlefront 2? Mm-hmm. How you got all those Warrens and Bunker complexes? Yeah. That's what it used to be like on a lot of the Wolfenstein maps because you had the Allies attacking various German positions, like one of my favorite ones, aside from Normandy, was, I think, the radio station, Mm. radar tower. And basically, you were the Americans trying to break into a radar station Mm. that also had a ton of bunkers, and you had to destroy the um, radar um, discs or things that they had on the various buildings in there and then storm the main building. Yeah. But you also had to get in there through the through the bunker complex. Uh, and the mission was taking place at nighttime. Uh, you had okay. various other ones, like I think there was a map over in Egypt, which was also set at nighttime. Mm. But they had a couple of ones, particularly in Russia, that was set in daytime. Yeah. And that was usually a take and hold, usually with a fortress mission. Okay. Yeah, like, games nowadays, like, I don't know why they probably don't do a day-night thing. Well, they don't really need to have a day-night. They just need to have the option of, all right, why not you choose night or day for this map? Have it as an optional selection. Hmm. Because some people may want to play this map in day. Generally, you want to have a defensive sort of mission or assault sort of mission during night time because it gives an area of uh, advantage to defenders mm. or attackers, depending on the map. Whereas if it's just a modern Call of Duty, um, Vietnam-style tactics of running around shooting everyone <laughs> instead of actual combat of seize, and seize uh, points and actually do something... It just wouldn't really work, particularly with armor, because you were saying that they need to have specific equipment to actually see, because they had realistic nighttime. Okay. Yeah. I think people like to be able to see everything, so yeah. they just prefer light games rather uh, than the darkness. I'd say it's just that... As a general thing, not you yeah. know. I'd say it's probably because the gaming companies got lazy. I mean, even look at modern combat. They don't actually design defensive forts anymore. Defensive... uh, Any Call of Duty map, do any of them have proper defensive positions where your team is supposed to defend it? Well, that's that's one of the issues with Call of Duty is that you're not really... It's like I've never seen I've never seen a Call of Duty which wasn't you just ran around the map and shot people. Aside from zombies mode. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's kind of like... Then again their thing. Like yeah, it's, it's an team. arcade. Yeah, but yeah. that isn't originally what they did. Yeah. They used to have defensive missions. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's also kind of evolved. And as it's grown... Has it evolved or uh, has at, it devolved? As it's grown more and more popular yes. and it's got a, a wider audience and that wider audience isn't exactly, you know, 
they're all like you know twelveies that mm. like to not do like not have to think too much and not have to stri- um, be strategic but and stuff like that. They even did a World War Two game, mm. which is the entire purpose of the war, and they even have the buildings for it. It has defensive locations that, if they designed the maps properly, could be something that the uh, say the German team or the American team had to defend. Mm. But no, it's just run around shoot people. That that is something that I like about um, about Squad is that it doesn't have um, innate like a defensive position as in it's just there. Mm. You've actually got to construct it. Yeah. So um, they have this system where you have to get a um, logistics truck. You move it to wherever you want to go, and then the squad leader can put down a it's called an FOB radio. Mm. And in a two hundred meter radius around that, you can just build. Like, whatever. So you can get spawn points, vehicle repair points, bunkers, um, g- weapon emplacements like tow launchers and machine guns and things like that. So if you and so if you need to, like in a, you know, because I was playing this game a while ago, which was two squads had gone really aggressive and were just harassing the enemy. And I'm like, right, we're going to make a fortress. <laughs> we're going to build it up. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And then some, you know, dude with a machine gun on a motorcycle just, you know, drove past us all with his um, explosives, I, um, IEDs on his bike and just <laughs> took us all out. Jeez. Because um, that was uh, um, on an Afga- Afghanistan map. So it was mm. like US versus Taliban. So they get to do all sorts of crazy <laughs> stuff. Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's not YouTube friendly. Mm. Um, but it doesn't like call them such. But they're called insurgent forces. Oh yeah. Um, but that's the sort of thing they can do. So, it does actually have the. It could be cool if they added a day-night cycle, like nighttime weather. Yeah, mm. as as part of their weather system. All they'd need to do is put a blue rinse on. Mm. Mm. I mean, it'd still be key, as you said, full moon style lighting. All they need to do is darken it a bit and mm. put a blue rinse on. Mm. That's how they did the old ones. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think the current weather system they have is adequate because it means that your maps are just going to be randomly. You've just got to deal with these conditions. And um, a question: Did the weather ch- does the weather change during a match, or is it just set from? The it's st- just set from the start. I, be- I believe. Okay. Granted, I've only had like one map which was actually like a Use. weather that I noticed <laughs> I mean it could have been some of the desert maps were you know dust storms and I just didn't notice yeah or something like that uh, do you guys want to start heading on to a break because I think <laughs> I think we need to meet our music quota <laughs> what nah. music what? Nah. look at the time <laughs> why nah. oh well Thanks to Andre, we're going on to a music break now. You've been listening to Tune FM 106.9 and the Unix Radio Show, and we will be back shortly. Next time by Blessed here on 106.9 at Tune FM. 
Uh, if you are part of the LGBTQ community and looking to make new friends, come on down to the Social Club. The Social Club Armadale is bringing you the Big Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Trans and Queer Evening. This event takes place on the 13th of August at 7pm. Tickets are just tendals at the door and tapas will be provided. Come on down for some good food and to make some new friends at the Social Club Armadale. Coming up next is One Good Reason by Hunter Hayes. You're listening to 106.9. Tune FM. It's been one of those days that I should get used to. Wake up, get going, stay busy, putting off getting home because I miss you. It's a freedom when the space that you want turns into a prison. Is it leaving? If I can't move on, then I'm stuck here looking for one good reason not to love you. One good reason wouldn't even be enough to unpaint all of those pictures. There's no way to unremember. I'd love to just unlove you. I've tried to, but I can't find. Should have drove me crazy But I fell for every little thing And trying to forget ain't easy I keep lying Cause I wanna feel strong But I just feel stupid And I'm dying Oh, cause even if I found it What would I do?
Welcome back to the Unix Radio Show on Tune FM 106.9. Did I get that right? Well, yeah. it sounds like he actually had the thing plugged in for you. <laughs> I was just like, halfway through, I was just like, did I miss anything there? I didn't think you did. Oh, my memory, eh? No, no. You, Fantastic. You, you mixed I'm it up. something your old memory. I shouldn't have told you last week that the one good thing about this show, like, that sounds <laughs> professional, is your intros, because now you're freaking out about them. It's like, did I do it right? It's, it's like, just like, <laughs> I just had a mental blank just going like, wait a second. Mm. Yeah, it actually worked for once. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be honest, I did actually go and, yeah, unmute you this time. So yeah. That's, that's always nice. That's an advantage. Yeah, at least my voice comes through the radio. Hmm. <laughs> um, it doesn't so, matter whether what you said was right or wrong. Yeah. So, that's a different story. Yeah, exactly. Windows 10 is releasing a new start menu. What? It's like, you know how the old, the current start menu is like Flash and got all those ads and things like that and all the extra bits? Mm. They're going, like the, they accidentally uh, released a build for um, Windows 10 and it has a, one would call it Spartan um, layout. So basically it's, you've got your, your icons there in a nice little grid pattern and it's gray. Oh. It, doesn't look nice. Can't they just bring back Windows 7 start menu? I've got a I've got a thing installed on my computer which has replaced the uh, Windows 10 one with Windows 7 and it's so nice. Yeah, it's just a whole lot better. And also the navigation of the systems menu is so com- it's so difficult to get into that currently because mm. you have to go through you can't just remove files or do various things. You have to actually put down codes in order to look at certain file systems and then go on to the various command things from there. Mm. I, don't, I just, you know, Nick says he doesn't mind the start I, menu. I have no problems with Windows 10. I've never had problems switching over. Is that because you're over. a Mac user? No. <laughs> I've, I've always been PC. I've never touched a Mac in my life. Good. But I... I've <laughs> never had a problem with the Windows 10. Mm. Like, I've just, I don't know, adapted fairly well to it, I guess. Though, so, did you have any experiences with the Windows 8? Yeah. Yes. But yeah. I bought a laptop that was Windows 8. Yeah. And mm. I've... I See, my mum got used to Windows 8 and she's like... I don't mind Windows 8. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with Windows 8. I also... Like, well... I also had no problems with Windows 8. Mm. <laughs> Neither did I. I had no 7 is best. I do like 7, although I will admit, going um, going from... Because I have a Windows 10 computer with a Windows 7... Uh, overlay. Uh, overlay, basically. Um, but going back to a Windows 7 computer mm. feels really odd. Yeah. Because my laptop's Windows 7. I'm like, hang on. Because things are... Almost in the same spots, but not quite. Yeah, so like they, very didn't, they didn't get it exactly quite right with the... Um, mm. It's very... The UI, the the start menu is very nice. So I like that style of just having, you know, where everything is. I just mm. like it better. That's basic. I don't like the silly boxes. Oh, yeah. you mean like on the on, left-hand on, side? Yeah. That's on, like starts, um, mm. reset, and like all the other settings and stuff. Yeah. I don't have a problem. Again, I just don't have a problem with these <laughs> things. I haven't really had a problem with any of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've, my laptop's Windows 7. My mom's laptop used to be Windows 8, and she was going to keep it Windows 8, except for she went outside, and when she came back in, I was like, 
Windows is 10 is halfway through downloading. And she's like, what? I did not agree to this. And this is like the day before they stopped upgrading. Oh. See, again, with that, like, I've heard a lot of stories where people have, like, left their computer alone or something, and then the Windows 8 automatically updated to Windows 10 and stuff like that. Yeah, that's mm. what happened with my mum. My mum was cranky, and she's like, I did not want this. I just wanted to stay with Windows 8. Again, that didn't happen no, to me. Did you remember when Windows 10 had all those difficulties actually installing itself from a previous version? My dad had to clean the computer three times when oh. Windows 10 came out because it just didn't install properly. See, I brought a Windows 8 laptop. We had to eventually purchase Windows 10 pre-programmed. I find it amusing that you guys are complaining about it's like, oh, I had a Windows 8 laptop. Guys, I started on a Windows Vista laptop. <laughs> what do you think I started that, that's with? That's sadness, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, we start, I used to play Age of Empires on that, man. Mm. I used to play LOL on Vista. <laughs> and uh, then a certain champion came out and my computer could not run the game anymore. <laughs> my well, see, I, my computers when I was growing up, they were XP... We mm-hmm. skipped Vista and went straight to Windows 7. Smart move. Th- yeah, it's not, not, not a bad thing. But then I also didn't have problems with Vista. Uh, yes, I didn't have problems with Vista. Come I at me. I think we can now just completely discount your um, opinion of any OS. <laughs> I just didn't have a problem with it. Like, I could understand how it works kind yeah. of thing and, like, use it. The widgets were fun, I will admit. I mean, like, I'm not exactly, like, diving into, like, developer-type stuff or, like, you you know, using command lines and stuff like that. I'm just using the basic OS. Do you remember all the free games they used to have on particularly Windows 7 and Vista? Mm. Like Solitaire, Minesweeper? Yeah. Now you have to install them. Yeah. Some of them cost money now. Yeah, like, you can't even play Solitaire without having to pay money. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Well, you can, but you need to be in an internet area in order to actually play with more than just the most simple form of solitaire. I mean, solitaire is solitaire. Or you purchase a $14.99 membership thing so that you can play with all those advantages outside of an internet zone. Or I have disabled the internet on my computer and still played, you know, the solitaire collection just fine. (laughs) Or... You buy a pack of cards. <laughs> yeah. True, but how you know, difficult is that? You to need play desk a... space. Yeah. And at university. Then again, you need desk. You need desk space to put your monitor or laptop. But <laughs> one could argue cards take up less space. Yeah. yeah. yeah but you've already got actually, the space taken up by actually, like PC. <laughs> unless you've got the miniature sets, the cards will actually use up more space than the laptop mm. because you've got seven, seven or eight. Spread out, spread out things, but which is longer than a laptop. Here's another advantage. You can play other games as well with those packs of cards. <laughs> but <laughs> on at PC. the same time, <laughs> you if you're on a bus <laughs> or a plane, how are you going to play it without your laptop? You don't have the desk space. You just, if you're on a plane, what, you just put down happens, your little thing and, and you just... And what happens if you hit a bump? Well, I'm not exactly wanting to play solitaire everywhere I go. <laughs> yeah. We're going to Rami on a plane. Why are we talking about solitaire? <laughs> because it's a game. Exactly. Why? It uh, might not be a computer game, but it is still a game. It and is a computer it game. <laughs> it's yes. been ported. 
But um, originally it was not. <laughs> I'm just going to go back to playing my Space Cadets pinball now. <laughs> I thought you were going to do that with all oh, this yeah. talking of old games. Do you remember all the pinball games that they used to have? There was tons of variants when I was in school. Yeah. I only ever saw the Space Cadet pinball. That's the only one I ever saw. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was actual on actual machines. Yeah, on XP and stuff. Yeah. Mm. I didn't see any other ones. Well, those Star Wars versions. Was it Chinese was it similar versions. to like the craze that we got a while ago of just having getting a huge amount of mini golf games and stuff yeah. like that? Oh, I remember that craze too. My mum even got into that, especially <laughs> on the Wii. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, the oh, golf and, and on the, the Wii, Wii Fit craze. Hmm. Uh, it's I weird how that. just how hard the Wii exploded, isn't it? Basically, oh, cool. every household had one. Yeah, we still have one. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, we even have the Wii Fit board, though it wasn't very. The touched. Wii Fit board <laughs> is so is such a sad peripheral. Well, it couldn't even stand a proper person's weight. Yeah, it could. Yeah, how often though? <laughs> it, I'm a standard person. Yeah, no, <laughs> you're not. Fat. You're shorter. You're shorter than the He's average He's calling person. you short, Nick. Oh, I'm like five foot ten. Yeah, yeah that's pretty not. average, I, I reckon. I can't normally go on to one of those things for long periods of time. Like, you're supposed to get off every few... You're not supposed to stay on there for very long because the thing can't actually handle a normal person's weight for more than a few minutes. Well, Wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. If no. you're heavy, you're heavy. Mm. No, no, no. You don't it, get lighter as you know, in, incrementally as by standing up. It was it. not designed in order to take someone's weight for long periods of time okay. outside of a small child. And who is it marketed to? Um, like middle-aged people as well because of the way you fit. Yeah, partic- thing. particularly mums, I'd say. Cause yeah. I remember all the adverts going on with mums getting their kids who are obviously enjoying playing electronic golf. Mm. Mm. But then, like, you know, my mum also got on in. At the time, she was, like, 80, 90 kilos, so... Uh, Do you remember the snowboard uh, one? Um, Uh, You mean the snowboard game that had the... No, the the snowboard mission for the Wii Fit thing. Oh, yeah. Because you had to actually jump without jumping. Oh, no, we just jumped. (laughs) We just literally jumped on the thing. Like, remember, like, this was probably when I was like, wait, when did the Wii Fit come Uh, out? I think it was around 2012. No, it would have been earlier than that. would have been 2010. Oh, yeah, guys are are both, like, way off. It's 2007. I was going to say, like, I think I was, like, 12 or 13 around the time. I that keep, I got it. I keep on forgetting no, the how Wii old Fit. I am. Yeah, that's we. F- that's we fit the thing. Yeah, we yeah. Fit came first out of December the same 20, time 2007. The okay. Yeah, we fit came out same time as the Wii, or at least later on the, in that year. Mm. Yeah, well, it def- definitely didn't come out with the Wii. No, it came out like later. I thought it was like out. a year later. It was just they worked out how profitable. Well, I mean, if they was. released one in January and they released We Fit in December, that's pretty much a year. <laughs> But I don't know. When did they release the actual Wii? Oh, probably like um, a March or a November. Sorry, not a March. A um, April. Yeah, an April or a November. Uh, November two thousand and six. Okay, okay. so, so a just year. a year. Wow, the original console looks. The Wii Mini looks weird. There's a Wii Mini. There's a Wii Mini. It looks weird. What? What did it look like? Uh. A tiny, like, kind of like a small uh, CD drive. Oh, yeah, with, I like, have that. bezeled edges. 
Yeah, I have that. What? Yeah, look at this thing. Give what? Google, it's so it's basically just a CD drive with a pop open tray at the top. Oh no, we didn't have that one. Um, what? <laughs> this is cool. It's dinky. <laughs> Yeah, well, obviously that one didn't sell very well. <laughs> yeah, they had to get it hor- They had to have it lying vertical. <laughs> that brought all the kitties' attention. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Then, <laughs> then again, I like the the edges of it with the red color scheme, red and black. That's much nicer, I think. Yeah. My biggest irritation was the Wii was how you'd have the nunchucks uh, very disconnected all the bloody time, mm. and how quite a lot of the games you had to hold the things horizontal in order to do special moves. Like if you uh, like with the Wii Wii Resort, you had um, uh, a sword fighting competition or sword fighting mm. game. In order to block, you had to hold the nunchucks to a certain degree, and then you also had to press the button um, and also hold the thing horizontal. Okay. And it was really difficult to get it at the right angle because you'd be constantly moving around in order to attack, and then you'd be blocking, but it wouldn't recognize that you were blocking. Hmm. Uh, and also with Force Unleashed, that was a nightmare with the Wii because it was very, very fickle in how you did your moves because you had to hold things horizontal, Force abilities, all these various things where you had to hold it, think certain angles and whatever. Yeah, so it could differentiate between like what you're actually doing, like yeah, the different Force was, moves. But because of how fickle the devices were and how the moves were, if you did something too quickly... Mm. And you were supposed to, because it's you a know. fight. Yeah. The nunchucks would disconnect. Or the actual remote itself would disconnect. See, I never I don't think I really had problems with the actual remotes disconnecting from tracking. Yeah, hmm. I constantly had that issue. Oh. This is You you may have had a problem with your setup. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe. It might have been just a reflection or something, maybe, but I don't know. I never experienced the same thing, but then again, I also did play things like um, Zelda and um, Metroid Prime Three. Yeah, so. we never managed to play those ones, uh, mainly because we couldn't really afford them, and also, yeah, like after about like what four or five years, they were still fifty dollars. Which was release, which was release price. I think they went down ten dollars from release price. And aside from the Wii, and aside from the Wii, I never really played any of the consoles because my siblings used to push me off them. (laughs) That's why I became a strategy gamer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, my whole experience with the Wii Fit was my brother had one, and we went and stayed with him a little bit, and I basically, I think, I played bowling or. Tennis mm, yeah. or something, and that was about it. I yeah. was terrible at tennis. <laughs> With tennis, I remember just like what I would do half the time, like when I was getting started with it, was like you would just wiggle the remote yeah. and your character would just like starf like not starfish, just fish in the way that the ball was going and just hit it randomly. <laughs> so it's like this you just see this character kind of like dive with its racket just going back and forth <laughs> rapidly. Well, with tennis, we constantly had it disconnecting because you had to swing it so quickly Mm. and also it doesn't matter whether you actually swung on time because there was a slowdown and when it (laughs) and when it registered that the remote was moving (laughs) Hmm. yeah well here's can i bring up this wii mini again oh oh god (laughs) so it was released in 2012 oh okay that's why i haven't really heard of it yep but it wasn't 
Um, so that's re- a released five year revision. Yeah, released in 2012. It was the cheapest console like released at the time because it was only 98 bucks. Oh, okay. Um, was only released in Europe and the US though. That's also that's probably also why I haven't heard of it. But like, so it doesn't have uh, component video. Doesn't have S video. Doesn't have SGB RGB SCAR output. Doesn't have GameCube compatibility. Doesn't have online connectivity. Doesn't have an SD card slot or Wi-Fi support. And only one USB port instead of two. Mm. So it did come with Mario Kart, though. Oh. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, for the Wii get, for the Wii consoles at this point, that's the only game that I find is actually good on them. The interesting thing, though, is that they didn't lose a lot. I don't think they really lost anything in performance because it could play all of the Wii-released games. Yeah. yeah. Not the Wii U games, which confused consumers because <laughs> it came out after the Wii U. Oh. It came out a year after the Wii U and could only play the older console stuff. Oh. Um, that is a shocking design choice. But it is still amazing how the Wii has outsold all its competition, even though it's bloody ancient. Mm. Oh, what? It is, it is the most uh, high, highly sold um, uh, console that has existed on the market. I find I f- it... A- I find it amusing. Um, uh, well, first off, um, Nintendo had released, had sold over 100 million Wii consoles. Mm. And they're like, you know what? We haven't sold enough of these. We need to target the low-budget console market. So they released this thing. Now, they've been quite happy to spruik about Wii sales because, like Andre said, it's a ridiculously well-selling console. Mm. They have never said how many of these things they sold. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, because every review I can find says the construction isn't as good, mm. and with everything you lose, it's not worth it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. what about the Switch? The Switch, as of right now in its lifetime, it is selling as I think it's sold like thirty-eight million. That's um, very good for the console market. Yeah. Especially since it's only been a year. Mm. No, it's been about two years. Oh, yeah. Two and a half. And they're releasing revisions of it as well now. Yeah. So there's a more powerful one. There's a. That's um, to be announced. Is it? The uh. more powerful well, one. Well, they've got the Switch, which light. doesn't switch the light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's called the Switch Lite, and it literally is like basically a Switch that is always in handheld mode. Yeah. Do they have the option so that the Switch is compatible with the Wii's as an interim remote? Because that would be what? a very... That'd be cool. That you would use, be very cool. You could cool. use your Switch controller as a Wii controller. Because it would be far more reliable than the Wii controllers. No, I think they use different um, hardware. I know, but it would be very interesting if they could actually do that because they seriously need to update the Wii remotes. Mm. Why? Because they were very bad. Yeah, but it's a console that's what, like now 10 years out of date yeah, and two and generations how, behind. And how well sold has it been? They're it not, is still the highest console, uh, the most sold console in the market with the largest number of games attached to it. It's also still getting games released for it. Yeah. Just Dance Just Dance 2020, which was re- which was announced at E3 2019, is coming out on Xbox One, PS4, Switch, Stadia, and the Wii, the original Wii. What? <laughs> and all okay. the Mario. I, I do understand that a little bit because 
just dance and like those types of games were very heavily bought on the Wii. So people that have bought like all the games up until now on the Wii can still buy the new one on the Wii. Well, they still release all of the Nintendo games are still compatible with the Wii. Also, I guess you have to consider if it's the best-selling console, you might as well use it, support it, I guess. Mm, but like, you know... Because you can guarantee a lot of people are still going to have one. Oh, yeah. Pretty but much everyone and their mum, especially <laughs> the mum. Especially. I was also going to say that they might also have a deal, like the Just Dance company mm. or whoever makes it might have a deal with Nintendo saying, like, we will release this on the Wii mm. for X amount of years, and this might be, like, you know, still into their X amount of years. Well, I guess. what was the console that ah, Nintendo the first, released The first the Just Switch? Dance was a Wii exclusive, so that could be part of it. That could actually tie into that, what you were mm. just saying. Um, the Wii U. Yeah. And mm. w- how well did that sell? Um, actually, no. It would have been, like, one of the Nintendo DSs. Yeah, but that's not a proper console. That's one of the little playing remotes. No, that's a, it's a handheld device. I know, yeah. but it's not a proper console that you plug into your TV. Not like the Xbox or the Wii. <laughs> the Wii is, it's not, it's more something that you can play with m- multiple people at the same time. Like the general console. Uh, mm, like a couch gaming yeah. console. Whereas the other one's more, all right, I'm on the bus and my best mate's right next to me. Might as well sync up and play for the next hour. Do you yeah. even have the sync option with those small ones? With the small, yeah, they're like all online capabilities as well. So like you can play people from across the world. Yeah, because uh, when my family got to Nintendo's, they didn't have that option at the time. Do you have a, have any of you actually played Just Dance? Because I've never done it. No, my sister but has it. Do you? But you know kind of what it is? Yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen a video of a guy playing it once. <laughs> um, someone has bought the movie rights to it in January this year. What? Huh? Didn't they already have Just Dance in the Emoji movie? Um, mm, no, but like an actual like it. an actual movie oh, God. about Just Dance. It's called like... Every other dancing movie that's out there. Yeah, yeah most well, of them are terrible. That was, that was the thing. It's like, you know, typically when you get a, a movie adaptation of a game, it's just not done well. Because oh, yeah. they're taking a game which, you know, like Street Fighter, which doesn't really have much story attached to it at all. You're just, you know, bashing buttons at people. Mm. Or you're losing a major component of, you know, a video game in that, you know, you can interact with it. Yeah. But... You could almost go anywhere you want with this. It could just be a, a standard, you know, Disney-esque you know, <laughs> music number. Yeah. <laughs> it was, just high school musical with, with, all over again. Yeah, just high school One musical electric boogaloo. <laughs> like, actually, I think though. they already did that two more times. Yeah, there's like, what, three, maybe yep. four? Three, and my sister made me, f- forced me to watch all of them. <laughs> but I yeah, think I only like, saw the first one. I haven't yeah, seen any I of them. I know half of the songs. I haven't seen any of them. Oh, you lucky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like they can literally go anywhere with a Just Dance movie. Yeah. Like, wh- what? It's just dancing. It's called a tutorial video. Well, I mean, there's so many 
dancing movies out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're a dance. Yeah, like Just Dance, Agincourt edition. Mm. <sighs> yeah, run on, the, run in full plates of armour in the middle of the mud with the hail of arrows. <laughs> anyway, we I just looked at the time and we should probably go to a music break. Yep. So uh, this has been the Unix Radio Show on Tune FM 106.9 and we will be back.
TuneFM, streaming live on TuneFM.net.
Hello and welcome back to the Unix Radio Show on Tune FM 106.9. And um, first off, I so I thought Activision and Blizzard were like two different companies. Nope, no, they're, they're the same. They merged the same. years ago. Mate. They merged years ago. Did they merge? Oh, when uh, was Activision doing COD? I think it was around 2013 that they did it. Okay. I only found out recently, really, that um, Activision was Blizzard. Mm. The this thing is, they've been talking about Blizzard's like founders leaving, but they're not being saying anything about you know Activision. The Activision they've been speaking as Blizzard as you know Blizzard. Yeah, no, it's more of Activision. Uh, it's more of well, we've got these people from Blizzard, and they're being sort of difficult because they want to make a game. The thing is, they don't want to make our type of game. Ah, mm. something about storylines and decent characters mm. and replayable content. Ah, never mind. Let's just put Jeremy from the staff on there. Ah, <laughs> uh, well... He always says yes. <laughs> Activision has been having a whole bunch... Activision Blizzard and uh, Bethesda and EA have been having a whole bunch of issues at the moment, which is a bit of a problem when there are still people who consider them to be industry leaders. Mm, well, they are. They really. are. Um, Only because they took out the rest of the competition. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, like, they are the ma- major developers slash publishers of the industry. Like, mm. you'll be hard-pressed to find somebody that plays video games that doesn't know who these people are. Well, look at what Activision Blizzard did. They screwed up, I believe it was... What's the what's the uh, hell game that they do? Doom. Um, Doom. No, 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 that's Bethesda. Oh, um, yeah. Um, uh, Di- Diablo. Yeah, Diablo. so they screwed yeah. up Diablo with releasing a mobile game. <laughs> then Bethesda screwed up its own mantra from last year by declaring that it's by almost all of its new games being multiplayer instead of, sing- instead of being campaign single-player-led games. Mm. Mm. Literally, if you remember last year, that was something they were talking about before that E3 because all of the competition were releasing mobile and multiplayers. Mm. Well, like, to be fair on there, even though they executed it abysmally poorly, like, that is kind of, like, where a lot of um, interest is in multiplayer games. Uh, so how come all of these games have been failing that they've been launching? Because they're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and also, what's unique about all of them? Well, they're all multiplayer you know, games in a, in a, for an audience that normally plays single-player games. Mm. Well, it's just they're the marketing thing. to the wrong people. Well, the, also the other issue is that um, it's fairly obvious recently how aggressive those yeah. companies have been getting in terms of microtransactions, mm. things like that. Which is something I forgot to mention. Squad doesn't have any, and the developers have said they're never putting them in. Good. They, How they, a game should be. Yeah. They just want to make a good game. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find this thing. But um, Act, I think it's Activision have been having all sorts of funness, fun times indeed. Ah, here it is. Um, uh, so basically... Uh, um, one of the issues that these companies have is that their uh, developers are basically given no input in terms of monetization. They've, they're told you have to build these systems in. Yeah. You don't get to basically you you don't get to decide what product you're actually producing because yeah. you like, know that yeah money basically. Well, they have to 
they develop for Activision, which then have to go, okay, our, we need money to help our, well, not help, but like, you know, make our investors happy and stuff. Mm. So that's how that yeah. kind of works a bit. But yeah, but I mean, you had, you know, the Zonks, investors happy with just having the proceeds of the games that sold. And to yeah. be honest, when you looked at, you know, when they were selling really awesome games, like, there's a reason why they like um, we keep on getting so many Call of Duties because they just sell. Yeah, they just Though, sell. At the same time, how well have they been doing over the last few years? This is true, but that's that could be you know brand it's, fatigue. I'd say it's because hmm. it's a combination of brand fatigue and people are getting sick and tired of just running around and shooting people. They want to have some pl- complexity to their games, which if you've noticed with the gaming market they've been removing from their games. Mm. Like, mm. modern strategy games. Like, you remember Dawn of War 3? Yeah, we don't talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> but there's a good reason for that. Dawn of War 3 was a disaster because it simplified not just Dawn of War 1, but Dawn of War 2. Mm. What was the disaster with Battlefield 5? It simplified Battlefield even further than previously, to the point where they had to add things back into the game because they didn't notice that gamers would want them. Mm. Maybe that's a generational thing where they think the people are getting dumber, so they've got to simplify their games. Yeah, I'd say that's the, I'd say that they were following Call of Duty because they noticed it was popular. However, by the time that they'd released the games, because remember, it takes a few years for these games to be released. Mm. It's but normally like a three yeah. to six. Yeah. D- depends on the game. Uh, and how rushed it is. Yeah. <laughs> like half of Bethesda's games. <laughs> but um, you... That's probably, um, like, I wouldn't be too surprised if Fallout was, uh, Fallout 76 was brought out when all the MOBA games were becoming very popular a few years ago. Mm. And then uh, you also had um, multiplayer ones because that was also pretty popular a few years ago as well. Mm. Uh, But they had no idea what made those sorts of things popular. And also they haven't had proper co-ops in games since Halo screwed it over a few years ago. Oh, well, yeah, 343 have kind of um, taken Halo for a different course. But they were basically the only people that were still doing proper co-op Halo. They were the ones that properly brought it in, and they were the ones that killed it off. Hmm. Well, I would argue that Bungie is that made the original Halo 343. Yeah, but Bungie's also terrible with its modern games as well. Well, that was because until recently, like, um, until recently, they were under Activision. They ripped off their own product. Because, uh, well, they just told Destiny it. Destiny is, is Halo light with a whole lot of Soylent. I don't... It's, I wouldn't... I've, I, I, honestly, I've only played uh, I'm talking Destiny. About, I'm talking about the story. I've only played Destiny 2, so I yeah. can't talk about... I can't say what yeah. I think about story. But I wouldn't think... I wouldn't make a instant comparison comparing yeah. Halo to Destiny. Like, superficially, like, on the top surface, yeah, it kind of plays the same because, like, you know, your Spartan-esque type thing that um, goes around killing aliens. But there is actually a... a very deep story and like lore that goes down a fair bit, mm. just like any MMO. 
It's just you kind of have to dig for it. Mm. Yeah, and, and really, really dig and put quite a few hours into the gameplay. Oh uh, well, no, it's all just um, or background stuff. To be honest, like um, like uh, little lore logs that like you know you pick up, but, but then like don't really read type thing that just get put into like a big collection of. So this play, is your lore. So playthrough fodder. Yeah, because yeah, those that's for what quite a lot of people would be looking at that sort of material for. They won't be coming across it in the game, they'll simply be looking at a YouTuber who's put all that effort into it for them. Well, it's the same with the Fallout 76. All of the story that you find, which is actually quite fleshed out, is all in hidden logs and secret books that they've hidden around and notes. So you need to actually have a playthrough person in order to actually tell anyone what's going on. See, I reckon a bit of the problem with um, MMOs is that you know that people are more focused on you know getting the next piece of equipment or mm. doing this mission and doing that mission only not not many people are too focused on the law so they don't really you know slam it in your face that much like it you would be better can. if they actually had good lore in there to begin that is that is an issue that i have is often i'll get i just won't get interested in the lore it's like yeah because destiny's got some not all that it's pretty bland lore when you look at it compared to quite a lot of other games like especially warcraft was very very good when it came out and look at it now Mm, how has it changed over the years yeah, but then you also, like, you know, that's how long ago did, war, like, the original yeah. Warcraft Quite came out? a long time ago. But also look at SWOTOR. SWOTOR? Oh, God. SWOTOR, they kept on, they were running out of ideas worse than Bungie. Hmm. What's so, yeah. SWOTOR? is uh, Star Wars old, um, I think it's um, Old Republic? Old Republic, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, that's a multiplayer, like, like World of Warcraft style, but Star Wars. Mm. And the original version of it was actually quite good, especially with the story. Very well designed, and you could play from whichever race that you liked, as long as you're a Sith or a Jedi, basically. Mm. And uh, storyline was quite compact, and people really enjoyed it, especially when they brought in various elements and references to KOTOR, which was Knights of the Old Republic, which people were even more enthusiastic about and very unhappy that SWOTOR was what replaced it. But um, it really, really started to go downhill after they brought back fan favorite Revan, who was actually in the parts of the original game's ending. Mm-hmm. And they rewrote the character to a point where quite where it has split the SWOTOR fan base because quite a lot of people are not very happy about it, especially with the writing aspect. It's severely dropped in quality. And that's because I think it was about a three-year gap between the original launch of... A three or four-year gap from the original launch of SWOTOR and the release of, I think it was Knights of Revan or something. Mm. And then they had another one following that called the Inf... No, it wasn't Infinite Empire. I think it was Eternal Empire. Um, no idea. So, uh, Michael, you played Swotor? Nope, I but was. They, I, yeah. <laughs> basically, they pulled a really advanced empire out of their ass and flung it into another end of the galaxy, and basically had it declare war on the Sith and Jedi empires just after they'd managed to get into another war with one another. So they're forced to fight together against this great enemy who is really, really super powerful 
and they're so advanced and so powerful. They've already defeated the Sith and the Jedi, but somehow you managed to win. <laughs> and the story is really, really bad. Yeah. As in the trailer for it is better than the actual story. Oh, <laughs> feels bad. Um, one thing I was going to say about Revan, um, though, is was the teams the same that developed Knights of the Old Republic and the... They were forced to do SWOTOR because they originally wanted to do KOTOR 3 Mm. uh, because they had funding pull from KOTOR 2 so they could do a pre-launch of that. And then they were supposed to do KOTOR 3 and then they were forced to do SWOTOR because they wanted to get some nice MMO money. Mm. But like, so it was the same development team? The original group, yes. Okay. But by the time that they'd worked on Knights of Revan and um, the other one, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. They'd already switched onto another writing group by the time they a yeah. third writing group by the time they did the final one. I was going to yeah, DLC I, was really bad. I was going to say like was the origi- like was it the same writing group and I'd, if not that I'd say most of it. Okay. Yeah, because the writing is fairly consistent up until the Revenite DLC which of course came out years later and also the um the final one the en- the Eternal Empire or something. Yeah, so it's just basically they got you know, their writing team failed them. Yeah, basically like Mass Effect. Mm. Good for one and two. Um, mixed bag for three. And then Andromeda. And Andromeda was a disaster. Nobody talk about Andromeda. <laughs> All right, I, Andromeda. I started playing Andromeda and I got, I was like, I really, there were some things that I liked about it and some things that I really didn't like about it. It's like it had a, um, like a puzzle uh, it was Sudoku. It's like you had to do <laughs> Sudoku, but not Sudoku. As long as it's not seppuku, because that's s- how the gameplay feels like. Well, th- that was the thing. It's like I I did a couple of these Sudoku puzzles, and I'm like, okay, fine, I'm gonna work it out. And then I, then I read a wiki about it. It's like, hey, here's all the answers because you've got to do a butt ton of them. And I'm like, oh. I'm done. It's like I there were there was just enough there to keep me playing, but then I had that. I was like, nope. Yeah. I'm, no. <laughs> it was just dry, um, spreading you too thin. Yeah, I was just... Well, the last thing I want to be doing in that sort of adventure game sort of thing like that was mm. to be banging my head for ages against these stupid puzzles. Yeah. Because I really didn't like them. Yeah, it's like, that's fair enough. So, like, 1 and 2 had, like, the mini games for hacking and things like that. Mm. And I did kind of miss those in Mass Effect 3. They were fairly simple to get right. And once you got them, they were, you know, I guess people could have thought they were just more of a chore than anything else. But they showed that something was happening. In Mass Effect 3, it was just a button press. You press the button and you can open it. Oh, okay. They just got rid of it entirely. Um, And they tried to bring it, like, Andromeda's like, oh, people like their minigames. Here, have Sudoku, because we can't be asked to invent anything that's actually original. (laughs) I've got Ugh. to say, with Mass Effect, the biggest problem that they had, aside, because the story was very well written, but the problem was that the universe itself was actually very bland. It was mainly because of the skill of the writing department that the games really went quite well. Because even the gameplay was a bit dodgy, particularly in the first one. Mm. And they managed to get it right with the second one, then master it with the third one. But the story was what fell apart for that one, particularly the end part, because oh, it was fairly the, consistent until that point. The end is just, yeah, Mass Effect 3's ending is just about the, one of the largest disappointments in the <laughs> Quite story. Quite frankly, they should never have done a fourth Mass Effect unless, uh, <laughs> and this would be very impossible, mainly because they don't own the rights to it, 
if they wanted to do another Mass Effect game, well, they should have done an alternate uh, version of Mass Effect where they maybe swap out an alien race or swap out a humanity with another one from a various sci-fi thing. I've, and I try doing those events again. I feel well, like I mean, Andromeda I'm tried to do Andromeda, something new. Andromeda yeah, could have been good. Yeah, but the aliens are even blander. The story's terrible. The story was not grabbing at all. Mm. Yeah. But imagine, say, I know this is coming from someone who likes Halo more than, than Mass Effect. But imagine if you had humanity from Halo taking the place of humanity in Mass Effect. Mm. See, I only played the original one. So I don't, and that was like, oh God, ages ago now. Mm. So like, and I hardly remember any of it. So mm. like, I don't really have much input into this. So I'm just I like- play Mass Effect 2 and play all the um, characters missions. Cause that's really good. Mm. I felt, I feel like, um, I never thought that Mass Effect felt too empty. Yeah, like it wasn't I did, empty, but I did, um, I don't know. I'm not as, I don't get into lore, like, I, there's not very many things that I'll go into and just really start studying the lore of. So I maybe that's why Mass Effect felt, you know, fine for me. It's like, you can go on about Star Wars and... Well, um, if you want to get into the lore, the hmm. Mass Effect populations are far too small. I mean, these empires have been lasting for thousands of years. And how big is their population? A few hundred billion. The well, Krogan alone have massive birth rates that barely allow them to survive. The Turians have fairly decent birth rates, human level yeah, birth rates. Yeah, but the Krogans rates. have their whole, How, you know, disease story. Yeah, yeah, it's understand with the Krogans, but the Turians should be at least in the trillions. The same with the Asari. The Asari are long-lived enough and don't have the issues with them needing maturity in order to reproduce. They should have a severely larger population, especially like, since um, they don't even need to have actual... As- Especially since they don't need to have purely Asari partners in order to reproduce. I feel like that's just more of an issue of they just didn't... It's world building, that's the problem there. They just didn't realize just how big they should actually make it. Because for most people, you know, hundreds of billions sounds like a lot. I'd say Hmm. it's because the people that made it were Star Trek fans. And the big problem with Star Trek is that the populations are very, very small because that's that's how they explained away resource scarcity issues disappearing. I guess that's how uh, they did that's it. That's a background for why you don't have large populations in Star Trek, but I'd say that de- being used to pop- not very large populations in their favorite franchise, which they admitted was Star Trek, hmm. probably explains why they underpredicted populations for the galaxy at large. Then again, and, you're also a... Uh, and understand, a, mm. they've colonized the majority of the Milky Way galaxy. That's billions of planets. And they've colonized most of it. That's How fair. can they have? S- they yeah, ma- but they saying that w- even if there are billions of planets, the ones that are actually livable. Are yeah, a lot but less. even the livable ones, you'd probably have a hundred people with the colonies that they have, the expanse of space in the colonies that they have, with the populations that they put down. That's maybe a hundred people per planet. Hmm. I guess. I guess um, what you're saying about the the Krogan obviously need to have small population yeah, sizes. Yeah, but the, that's understandable. The, when they're limited to only one planet. You could you could make the argument that humans could also have a small smaller population size than Torians. No, they actually well, have pretty on par. Well, they I think that they should because they're supposed they're supposedly fairly newcomers to the whole you know 
that, thing, aren't they? That's why in yeah. Mass Effect it's interesting the um, the effect that humanity has because for some reason we're reproducing faster than the others, mm. even though they actually have the same reproduction rate, and our population, whilst smaller than the others, is very, very large compared to what it should be, especially since we also have various colonies, which, are, if we go by Mass Effect logic, shouldn't be as large. Mm. Um, and also various forms of advancement with the uh, with the Citadel, how have they not advanced in the 5,000 years that they've existed? Humanity's the only ones that have actually progressed their technology in Mass Effect, especially mainly because of xenophobia, particularly amongst Cerebus. But the Asari have not progressed their technology. They rely entirely upon the Salarians, who are mostly trying to reverse engineer their... Is it, is it precursors? No, not precursors. It's... Um, uh, what, what's I can't even remember what they're called now. <laughs> like the yeah. precursor race. Yeah, the precursor race. Mm. The Salarians. Salarians. Proteans. Yeah, proteans. proteans Salarians yeah. are mostly there to reverse engineer protein technology. And the Turians are only there not for technological advancement, but to serve as the military. Mm. None of them are advancing their technology. They only use Mass Effect. They haven't even developed lasers properly. Well, I guess you could make the argument that, you know, that these are, what, stagnant empires. Stagnant empires still progress. The thing is, it's a major law flaw that they have in these species. It's supposed to be, they're supposed to be extremely advanced civilizations, but why are they so stagnant? Unless you're going to indicate that they are extremely stagnant. Uh, it's something that they just don't go far enough in the games. Hmm. I think that's getting far too into the nitty gritty of I read the Star Wars EU. They fully encompassed all of these issues. <laughs> well, okay, so outside of lore, and we'll you know, probably cut this conversation <laughs> off because Nick's just sort of glazing. <laughs> um, I'm just like, oh. Um, I feel like the one thing that could mean be the reason why these empires stagnated so much is that um, is actually the discovery of the proteins the, the proteins and the mass effect technology through the jump gates like they discovered this new technology which is fairly well stated that they don't really know how they, they work. don't even understand them they just know that it does work and that could you know as soon as scientists are you know you'd think given something that works but they don't know how would be all about you know tearing it down and work everything, working out exactly how the science works of it, it could have been that those just acted as a massive roadblock in terms of technological development. Well, the story that they have for it, at least it's inferred, is that that is the actual explanation that they give for these races being so technologically stagnant. Hmm. The problem is humanity is advancing after it discovers these things. So how were all of these, understand there's tens if not hundreds of races in the Mass Effect Citadel, mm. that there's only three at the top, but mm. you've got tons of others. Almost none of them have innovating technology over the course of 5,000 years that mm. the Citadel has existed. Yeah, and but aren't humans newcomers? Huh? Mm. Yeah, but how come humanity has actually managed to progress from the Prothean technology, whereas all the other races... Could be a, could be a stab at our innate, our innate competitiveness. That, that is one thing that <laughs> well, you thing have the Asari complaining about. Mm. Well, you have the Citadel and you have the three races at the top. Yeah, and, and the uh, humans want to get on that council. Yeah. So uh, maybe no, this, they're this even before, to get on. This mm. is even before the uh, Citadel discovered humanity. 
they were already advancing beyond the citadel, or at least in certain technologies. Mm. Uh, also, particularly in making their ships larger and becoming more efficient in how they managed to, like the Normandy, is a very very large for a for a Mass Effect ship outside of the Reapers. But what? I thought I always had the uh, idea that the Normandy was small compared it's to small. like no, it's small. Asari and yeah, Torian ships. Uh, actually, it's fairly large. Understand most. Understand. I believe it's about two hundred meters. Most ships in Mass Effect do not go beyond four hundred. Actually, most be- don't go beyond about a hundred meters, mm. and the sit and the capital ships are about four hundred to five hundred meters. Whereas compared to Star Wars or Warhammer, where you have kilometer Kilometers, long ships, yeah. so th- they are small fry compared to any other sci-fi. So, looking at the Normandy, it's tiny. It'd be basically a landing craft in Star Wars or Warhammer. Hmm. But then, but it's a l- very, very large and also far faster and far more maneuverable than almost any other ship in Mass Effect. At yeah, the time. they do make a big deal about how the Normandy is like ridiculously special, com- in- extremely advanced. Mm. Especially Normandy uh, 2. Mm. Especially with the AI helping things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's uh, So, um, going towards uh, Star Wars a bit, have mm. you seen the new Solo film? Has any of you seen the Solo film? Uh, I have seen most of it. Yeah. I find uh, it's so, not exactly new, though. <laughs> I find it so... Well, yeah, I know. Um, I find it so amusing that they kind of retcon in the fact that, you know, actually... There's a uh, a navigation droid flying the Falcon. So whoever flies the Falcon is good at flying the Falcon <laughs> because they're not flying it. This AI is like, you know what? I'm gonna do it because you're a dumbass and don't know how to fly a spaceship. Uh, and it's really weird because in Star Wars, AIs don't actually control the ships. Hmm. It's why in even in the droid armies, all the ships are actually controlled by actual droids in the cockpits. Yeah. They're still flown by something. There's not just a computer core doing it. Which feels... It's like, really... All the new Star Wars movies have really added in things which I guess could have existed, but... But they don't make sense. Yeah. By Star Wars logic, they don't actually have AIs that can actually preordain... Yeah, Uh, let's go on to a... (laughs) Let's go on to a break. Let's go on to a music break before we get into Star Wars lore. (laughs) Woo! Um, Yes, well... You've been listening to Nick Gets Glazed, (laughs) Tune FM 106.9, and we will be back after the break. Tune.
Welcome back to the Unix Radio Show on Tune <laughs> FM 106.9. And that, that song ended. Yeah. Um, so are you guys familiar with the Huawei stuff? Yes. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Basically, um, America doesn't like China. So <laughs> Huawei was told you're not allowed to use our stuff. And then Huawei has been allowed to use their stuff and then hasn't and then has and mm. then hasn't and then has again. And now Huawei's like, you know what? We're just going to make our own stuff. Oh, yeah. I think the first time they said, okay, then we're building our own. Mm. I mean, they're all, I think they're already halfway through it. Mm. Um, they have the Hongmeng OS, which is their new OS because they're not allowed to use Android anymore. Yeah. Or they were, they weren't. I don't know. Um, which is apparently uh, 
close to release, which means that I guess oh. they must have been working on it for a while. Beforehand. Yeah. So um, very much in the works and is in the product of being tested. Uh, the first device would debut alongside their Pro flagship uh, later on in the year with a release date in the fourth quarter. However, uh, the phone with this new OS is supposed to be targeting the low to mid-range, not mm. high-end yet. So I guess they're still using Android for the high-end, but are going to be looking at... Um, well, it's supposed to be on new phones, mm. so not stuff that has already been released, like um, Huawei's uh, P... Th- I think it's the P30 and P30 Pro. Mm. They're the um, flagship phones of Huawei. Well, yeah, it's a it's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, um, and they do have a lot of the lower end phones. So I think they're not really. Uh, they also just released the um, P30. Uh, I think what, like April or something, like somewhere around there, like mid mid to like early to mid year. Mm. So they don't really have... They're probably not really working on more high-end phones at the moment. Yeah. They're probably more working on those more um, budgeter, middle-to-low-end phones. For now, anyway. Probably, like, next year they might have a new one and then, like, things will be different. But, yeah, it's fun. (laughs) Do you know what Apple's done with their new um, MacBooks, is it? Is it the MacBook or the Oh yeah. The, uh, the new Pro. the new Mac uh, just any of their laptops. Okay. Uh, so Mac has built um, doesn't like people being able to make a hackintosh for one and repair their stuff <laughs> for the other. So um, Mac has begun I feel really bad for anyone who's going out and buying a new Mac. Yeah. Because Mac has introduced this thing called a T two chip. Now, basically, uh, what this chip does is it takes over from the Intel CPU, which has a power rail and associated chips, which has a power rail there, which is basically just to, like, turn it on. Mm. Um, That used to just go through, like, a capacitor and a couple other things. So it was really easy to fix should um, should that break, for instance. Yeah. But Apple has gone and routed everything through this T2 chip, which is... A pain because it's an it's only available to Apple with the programming that's on it. So nobody else can get a hold of this thing. But also the T2 chip is actually set up to recognize the hardware that's built into the machine. Oh, okay. So basically it can tell if you get a screen crack, you know, a busted screen and you have to replace the screen, it can tell it's not the original screen it was shipped with. Yeah. It doesn't do anything with that detail with those details yet, but um each T2 chip is factory set up in like as the product's being worked, so that T2 chip will only work with that device. Mm. Which means that for people who are discovering now that the T2 chip can fail, that entire device is bricked and cannot be fixed by anyone at all. What? Uh, not even Apple. Certainly not as though Apple has been uh, maybe leaving a- itty bitty accidenty problems in their well, systems. Well. Wouldn't they be able to replace the T2 chip and program it to recognize those devices? Like no. that? They, maybe, but the thing is, is that um, Apple 
takes these devices because there's this fellow called Lewis Rossman who does like I, Mac prepares. Yeah, and he had someone come in and say, the I, Apple Store said this was not covered by warranty because of water damage. And Lewis said it was like one of the best kept laptops he's ever seen. Yeah, it's like it has had no water damage on it at all. The only thing wrong with it is this T2 chip, which is unrepairable. And he thinks Apple are just skipping out on the warranty for, you know, oh the user broke it. It's not our not our fro- not our problem. Yeah. So Apple's built in this kill switch, which sadly malfunctions and kills things. Uh, like, how regularly does it do it? Uh, I don't know how regularly it does it, but. The thing is, it's a kill switch and it can die. So. Yeah. so when did they start releasing these? It's a fairly recent... Um, that seems like it's a very stunning. anti-consumer. Well, Apple has always been about um, trying Profit. to stop... Um, yeah, there's a difference between trying to stop your proprietary like stuff from being used elsewhere where it's not supposed to. You know, that's breaking license and user license agreements and mm. stuff like that. It's another to install something that is a a, literally switch. a kill switch. Mm. And then when it fails and somebody like a like registered um, repairer says this thing has failed to mm. say, no, it's the water damage or it, something. Yeah, yeah, it's the user's fault. That That's very anti-consumer. So yeah, but basically, the reason that you know people like Lewis Rossman and people showed up is because Apple's not really user friendly to repairs. Mm. Uh, as like, there's, I'm trying to like put a d- difference between being, you know, hostile towards uh, your customer base, customer place, and, and being hostile towards third party repair. Uh, yeah, and uh, or like you know being hostile towards people that want to use your product Mm. in a way that it's not supposed to like literally hacking it yeah so a hackintosh is a bit is is you know something that the t2 chip just blocks now yeah you know they are getting around it i think but it's it's you know i thought a hackintosh was when you install mac os on something that's not a mac yeah basically it's like you get components that you know you just they build Macs out of, but you build it yourself. Yeah, which means you can get upgraded or overclock or whatever, mm. and not have to worry about the cooling issues that comes with a Mac. Mac. Yeah, and then uh, basically force Mac OS onto that. That's a Hackintosh. Yeah, well, that wouldn't have a T2 chip, would it? No, but the T2 chip interacts on us on um, the T2 is required during uh, pre preboot. Oh, okay, it's like before the OS even like fires up to boot properly, mm. it pings the T2 chip to make sure that everything's okay. And then the T2 chip okays the boot. Wouldn't there be a hack to get around that? Yes, but, <laughs> you know, it's it's a, you know, they're trying to stop it. Mm. But um, any, a Mac, iMac Pro, the Mac Mini, the MacBook Air and MacBook Pro, anything from 2018 onwards, onwards is oh, okay. set up with this. And, um, it's almost as though it's designed to get more sales. <laughs> I know, but it's it's like when you start going down this rabbit hole of the things that Mac does, like um, on or one lack of their, or lack of which on their mobile device. Okay, they have a sixty-five volt power rail directly next to a CPU pin, and it's a recognized issue that any sort of humidity buildup. We'll just jump those two wires, and you're putting 65 volts directly into your CPU. Which is supposed to, what, handle, what, five? Yeah, max. (laughs) 
So, very big no no. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's almost as though they want you to replace them. Mm-hmm. Well, the other weird thing as well is like they treat, like with the iMac Pro, they treat, um, uh, it's like if you have a bad RAM device or something like that, mm. they, um, they treat the entire system, motherboard, coolers, everything, as one like soldered on unit. Mm. Where the RAM is just socketed, you can just plug it in, unplug it. Yeah. But you can't do that. You actually have to go and buy the entire thing. Yeah. In order to fix a basic issue, which is why their repair is so expensive. Yeah. So instead of paying, what, a couple of hundred dollars for new RAM to put in, you have to spend. What was it? Um, that Linus on Linus Tech Tips. It was like what more five than, grand is more than the price of the your computer originally. Yeah, uh, it was like something ridiculous because they had to replace mm. the RAM, the motherboard, the CPU, the cooling. Yeah, they they, they said we would fit. We would basically just give you a new. We would sell you a new PC for more than what you bought the old one for. Mm. Like <laughs> it would be cheaper to buy a new system mm. than to repair the old, the old one it's, and it yeah. was a ram stick this issue. is something we can't talk about it now because we're running out of time but something that i would love to talk about is the uh the amount of effort that um fact that factory workers put into trying to steal uh components because um what was it um Taking i taking iPhone components and stuff like that can be worth more than like a year's wages. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Be, do you know just because of the there's a huge demand for replacement parts. Mm. And there's Apple also Apple just wants you to replace it. Mm. And it's it's amazing the um, the amount of security that they put on there. Like um, uh, the major manufacturer in China of all of um, Apple's parts in order to um, comply with Apple's protection stuff. Mm. They've got this massive security thing going on. Everyone goes through, like puts on approved work uniforms in, like when they get to the workplace. Yeah. You have to go through metal detectors and it even gets to the point where um, like women aren't allowed to have like wired bras so they sell the women bras so that they, they can then wear them to work because those are the approved, you know, outfits for working at that company for Apple. <sighs> do they do they still actually produce those iPhones still? Because I thought America uh, had uh, either banned or put high tariffs on um, American goods that are produced over in China. Yeah, but the thing is, is when you consider the fact that one iPhone is worth, like iPhone component or a P or a MacBook component is worth more than a year's wages. I, I understand I really that feel from them, but are but they still actually producing the proper actual iPhones to sell in America? Because I know the parts are still worth a fortune, at um, least for them. But I think so. I think all of it's um, still probably Apple's cheaper manufacturing to do stuff is overseas. In China. Uh, well, the tariffs aren't in effect yet. Yeah. Mm. They will be going. Also, the other issue is that you've got to find a country and a company who's willing to put up with Apple. Because they, um, um, oh, one of the other, I think it was, is it Samsung? That Apple does not get along well with at all. Mm, they all basically, basically, they just sue each other nonstop for um, having, uh, for copyright breaches and stuff like that. Um, anyway, Samsung was working on, I'll just use that name because it, 
I know it, um, was working on component, was doing a factory working on components for Apple. And Apple's like, right, by the way, we want to have all the security stuff and we want to be able to have one of our security representatives go to your factory and have free reign to wander around everywhere and, you know, to, to inspect the place and make sure that you're not, you know, stealing our stuff. And Samsung's like, right, cool. So we've been having these legal battles about, you know, copyright infringements and, you know, corporate espionage for the ages and you want to do that. Yeah, Especially that's when happening. Apple's the one that's been stealing all... Well, can't exactly say that, but it, it is mighty suspicious how Samsung releases something the previous year and then Apple comes off with very, very close imitations. Mm. To be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if Apple has a... You know, because they've got a massive amount of R&D that they do. I wouldn't be surprised if they have a really large backlog of products that they can just pull out and say, hey, look... Mm. Yeah, we've got this. Just like ready to go if they yeah. ever need it. But Jobs has been dead for quite a few years and it looks like the originality is starting to run out. Mm. Mm. Speaking of originality. <laughs> Yay! It's plug time! Woo! Double plug this week. <laughs> yeah, so um this week, um tomorrow actually we got a triple plug this week. What? I have a bit of special news for you guys, which you don't actually have to really worry about. Surprise news, yay. <laughs> um, but this week, we have actually three events on. We have tomorrow night, we have our normal uh, games night. night. Mm-hmm. So up in the stroke, 6 p.m., you know, got our Switches, computers, Xbox, Magic. VR. VR, um card games and board games and stuff. You and can come and play solitaire. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, no, we don't have cards. Uh. <laughs> um, we have PCs. Yes. We do. <laughs> Yay. Um, we also have our barbecue, which is a dollar per sausage and drinks, which is a dollar per drink. drink. Um, then on Wednesday, if you're a part of Wright College, they are having the games night down there, which I'll be going down and... Um, you know, bringing some of our stuff. I'm only going to bring our Switch and an Xbox 360. But, um, yeah, we'll be there and be su- trying to support ourselves there as well. That's the thing that these guys don't know about. <laughs> uh, a, a friend of mine that's in Wright College said, oh, yeah, can we, like, borrow you for the night? <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, sure. And then the big one, this weekend... Um, the 10th and the 11th from... 12 p.m. Midday to midday. Midday to midday. We are having a 24-hour gaming marathon. That's right. 24 hours. We will be in the stro and we will be gaming. Mm -hmm. We'll be having a barbecue overnight and we're thinking about free pancakes in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, we still don't know exactly what we're doing for breakfast. But we'll be doing something for breakfast. Yeah, (laughs) and it will be free. Yeah, because if you've made it through, you deserve it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We're also going to be having a bit of extra stuff, like where I'm going to also get, um, like, energy drinks and stuff like that. They will cost a bit extra, so if you guys want to grab them, be sure to bring a bit more cash. And Just to, like, eat, um, so, you know, we don't lose money. <laughs> and we are getting our hands on an urn, I believe, for free tea and coffee, because we can cover that. Yeah, um, we're also going to have free tea and coffee and probably um, hot chocolate as well. 
Also, um, there will be limited supply of them probably, so... Also, another thing to get excited about, there are other clubs coming to this year's event. Yes. So we're also going to have the um, Anime Society coming down, and they'll be challenging us to a couple of tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, also, yep. we're still figuring out exactly what they are, but... Um, probably bagging your waifu. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, we've also got uh, the D&D Society. They've confirmed with me just now that they want to come. Yep. So they're coming. They're going to you know, have a table or two or throw some dice at people. Yeah, so if you want to play D&D, come on down. Mm-hmm. If, you have, like, if you're new to the game and want to just see how it plays or like if you're a seasoned veteran, come on down, jump on into a game or two and, you know. Yeah. Should be good. Get excited. It's going to be fun. Yeah, you don't need to stay there the entire time. Only three of us have to. <laughs> you guys can come whenever you like during that 24-hour period. Yeah, actually, though, if you want to show up at 1 a.m., you can. You can. We'll be there. <laughs> yep. If you want to show up at 6 o'clock like a normal names, games night on a Saturday instead of Tuesday, you can do that as well. <laughs> if you want to turn up at 6 a.m. on a Sunday, you can. Yay. <laughs> Though Most... we'll probably be a bit sad and tired, but you will get free breakfast. There's the little loophole for you. Yeah. Though, you have do, to play a game. Yeah. Though, do be careful. Some of you guys will have university assignments to you, so. Yeah, obviously, like, um, plan it well. Don't, like, come up here to the um, 24-hour gaming marathon and stay there the entire time if you have, like, three assignments due Sunday night. Like me. Because uh, <laughs> that won't work well. But, like, you know, if you have, like, even, like, an hour or so, come on up and see what we're all about and come support us. Have yeah. you been doing nothing on, you know, Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just or Tuesday. Come come on Tuesday yeah. as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, you come on Tuesday. <laughs> so, yeah. Also, if you're if you are involved in the club or the president or committee of a club, and you want to get involved, please send us a message on Facebook or come on up to Game Site on tomorrow, and we will discuss it. Because yeah, we're happy to have people show up. Yeah, we're happy to have more hands on deck and like you know mm-hmm. spread our time. Yeah, and make it a bigger event, event. bigger yeah. and betterer. Yeah. So that's us for tonight, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week at 6 p.m. as normal. Oh, God, so we're going to be so dead. It'll be fine. It's going to be sick. Nice it's going to be the Monday after. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. We'll have uh, some sleep hopefully yeah. by then. It's not going to be enough. At It'll least, feel like the average Monday for me. Yeah. At least it's not the Sunday night that we have to go on air. You can do a special broadcast. <laughs> well, I, c- I could always Zombies host at that point and you guys could sleep. Your uh. snores will be the music break. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, that's us. So we'll see you all next week. Bye. 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 Bye.